Welcome everyone to the Sports Unite Podcast. This is episode 6. I hope you're doing well and staying safe. Let me tell you, this episode was already written, ready to go, and then big news happened and it had to be surgically rewritten, redone. We'll get into all of that, but first we're going to jump into a little bit of news. The U.S. has opened up its border to foreign-born players. The acting Secretary General signed into order that professional players may return back to the States from overseas. This is much-needed boost, and it was even said in the order that sports provide a much-needed pride and diversion. No word when the first players will start to arrive. I believe some will already uh, have their tickets booked, start to get ready, settled in, start to reintroduce themselves to training so that they can be ready when the call comes. I'm going to go into some Bundesliga results uh, for match day 27 this weekend. Started off with uh, the Berlin matchup. Herthena Berlin demolished FC Berlin 4-0. Bayern Leverkusen 3-1 winners over Bressa Marchen Gladenbach. FC Oschenburg 3-0 over FC Schalke Schalken 04. FC Cologne 2-2 tie with Fortuna Düsseldorf. And Bayern Munich 5-2 winner over Eintracht Frankfurt. Even today there was actually another match. They've jam-packed the schedule. So we do have some more results. And today, the big matchup was Bayern Munich versus Dortmund. Obviously, the 1-2 matchup. It was a big, big matchup with huge league ramifications. Bayern Munich pulled out 1-0 uh, with a 43rd-minute goal by Joshua Kimbach. All in all, the 1-0 win has set up Bayern Munich to win another Bundesliga title. Now, there's still a few games left to be played, but with how the schedule works out and how Bayern Munich has just demolished everyone, for the most part, for the past almost decade, it's uh, almost safe to say that Bayern Munich, again, has another league title. And we're going to head on over to Korean Baseball League. We did a uh, little bit of an introduction to all the teams, and uh, we have some updates, scores. Our team, the NC Dinos, Swole Daddy, which is not his real name, but I'm going to still call him Swole Daddy, continues to stay in first place. They have a 12-3 record. The LG Twins are hot on their trail with a 10-5 record. Doosan Bears, 9-6, are third. And the Kiwoom Heroes and Kia Tigers are tied for fourth with a 9-7 record. Remember, this is just the start of their season and league, so... Everything will change throughout the season. We will keep you updated with the Korean Baseball League. Now, it's on to some news that will unite us all. Now, I don't know if you've heard of this league, but Canada does have its own basketball league. The Canadian Elite Basketball League began in 2019. It's an answer to the growth and popularity of the game in Canada and a way to grow homegrown talent. Like the CFL, a certain amount of roster spots must be occupied by Canadian. It has roots in helping grow the communities that it plays in. With the season delayed, they were looking for ways to continue to play the season. One very unique basketball-like way is to have a one-site tournament with all the teams. Everyone loves March Madness, so having a one-site tournament with all the teams seems to make a lot of sense. The league did ask for $5 million from the government for support, and I do believe that this tournament is a best option also to get a lot of eyes. A lot of people don't know the CEBL, 
So this is a way to introduce it to Canadians, have it broadcast on TV. It's a great way to open up the game, open it up to more eyes, have people recognize the league and the talent. That's how you build the league. Now the league has eight teams in it. Four are currently in Ontario, so it seems that Toronto would make the most sense to host the tournament. I don't think the Raptors are going to be playing in Toronto anytime soon, so Toronto is open for basketball. So the eight teams are Hamilton, Niagara, Guelph, Ottawa, Saskatoon, Edmonton, and Abbotsford. So the only way you'd have to get around that is getting the West Coast teams to travel to Ontario. But once everyone is settled again, have quarantine, start training camp, you could definitely build up the tournament, have lots of eyes, just build not only basketball, the sport, but the league. So this looks to be a promising, promising development for the CEBL. And hopefully we will be able to talk about that in the coming months. We had the matchup too on the weekend. That's right, Tiger and Phil renewed their rivalry, if you will. Uh, they had a little bit of help, which added hugely to the event. They added Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Now, the first matchup between Tiger and Phil, it was a little dull, little blah, if you will. Not uh, much going on. It was a little hard to watch. But the addition of the two football superstars really added to the event you uh, allowed a lot of trash talking you allowed a lot of you know pant ripping with the uh with the two new player additions it really opened up kind of the flow between all four of them uh the commentators talking uh the f just the flow it didn't seem stagnant it didn't take forever like the match one suffered from charles barkley adding energy uh, putting up $50,000 if Tom could hit a green on a par 3 and he missed way, way right. I think Tom's losing it. All of this in the way of $20 million being donated to COVID Relief Fund, which is a great, great cause. It was an entertaining evening for everyone, and it's a good precursor to the first PGA event that will happen in two weeks. So it's a good warm-up, got everyone back on the right foot, exciting and raised money for charity and what's not to love about that the coca-cola 600 happened the longest race on the nascar schedule usually part of the uh, biggest race weekend in the year it was won by brad kozlowski just edged out jimmy johnson the race is normally long because 600 miles is a heck of a long time to go not only that there was a rain delay in the first half and we had overtime racing. Still getting used to not having lots of crowds at each race, but nonetheless, it's still exciting. Getting you know, less and less obvious that there's no crowd there, just concentrating on the race, and it's starting to turn into an interesting NASCAR season. And we're starting to get into the flow with it. Uh, there is another race this coming Wednesday and another race on May 27th. The Alsco Uniforms 500 followed by the Food City 500 in Bristol on May 31st. So check out those. The NBA. We've been reporting this I think since we started. But it looks like that the NBA is also looking into the Hub City scenario. And it's been officially said now that discussions have begun with Disney to play basketball at the ESPN Wide World of Sports 
at Disney World in Florida. And it looks, if all works out to be ready and done, that the end of July would be a good area on the calendar to target that something will start to happen. Spokesman have confirmed that talks are beginning. Now, this is just early talks. Officials are starting to kind of talk with Disney to see what needs to be said, but hotel areas resorts are starting to be blocked off in case this does happen. So that is great news for the NBA. Lots of room at Disney and lots of space to get started. And now this is where the surgery comes in. I had a nice little report about what happened over the weekend with the NHL. Everything was already set. And about midday today, I had to rewrite everything because the biggest news so far happened today. The whole sports world had their eyes set on the NHL. Everything was coming together. We were going to talk about the 2014 playoff that would probably happen and was voted in successfully. But then the NHL had to one-up it and come out with, with their continuation plans. That's right. Everything was laid out for the public today. The NHL became the first North American sports leagues to come out with its plan and outline on how to return, what it would look like, the timeline of everything, including the draft lottery, 2014 playoff, everything that comes with that. We're going to dive into it right now. It's great news that's going to make everyone unite. Let's start with... This thing is not easy to understand. I mean, most of it is pretty, so far, pretty self-explanatory. We're going to start off with the draft lottery. Now, for those of you that don't know, all the teams that do not make the playoffs in the NHL go into a draft lottery. So it's not just the worst team gets to pick first because that encourages teams to just suck for the whole year just to get the first pick. So they went with the lottery format. Simple enough except they've approved a 24-team playoff, quote-unquote. That means seven teams did not make the potential or move to try to win the Stanley Cup, but normally there are 15 teams. We have a little bit of a predicament on our shoulders right here. So it's a little bit complicated. I had to read it four different times to get a foundation of what was happening you might still need a master's degree to fully understand. I will try and explain it my best, so here we go. The draft lottery will take place on June 26. Mark your calendars. I know it's going to be an all-day event for myself with the draft lottery. It's on a Friday towards the end of June, so mark that on your calendars. Might even do something live, who knows? Let us know if you want us to do a live reaction to the draft lottery. So on June 26, we will have the draft lottery. June 26, the playoffs will not even be close to beginning, which means there are still eight positions that we don't know who's going to be in the lottery. And the odds have remained the same. Now you're probably thinking, well, odds for the seven, but what about the other teams that aren't decided or haven't been eliminated yet? Oh, just you wait. Just you wait. We will explain that here. So we have seven of the 15 teams. There will be teams A, to H that represent the teams that don't exist yet in the lottery. So here is how it will work. On June 26th, we will have a draft, plain and simple. Best case scenario, out of the seven teams, now the way the draft lottery works is everyone gets odds. I'll explain the odds in a second. They will pull kind of ping pong balls. There's 
a ton of numbers and each team will be allocated a certain amount of numbers based on the odds that they have to win. Easy peasy, I should say the lottery, determines the top three positions to pick. And once those three top three positions have been won through the lottery, everyone else kind of falls in how they finished in the season. Now that we've all been ramified on, now that we've all been brought in on how the lottery works. So best case scenario is we have our seven teams that did not qualify to compete for the Stanley Cup. Draft lottery happens and the top, the three winners for the top three picks are of those seven teams that we know of. So whether it's Detroit, Ottawa, Ottawa, LA, New Jersey, Anaheim, the Sabres, we will know. If those three come out as winners in the lottery, that's it. That's all she wrote. We have the, you know, the order of the first seven. And once teams are eliminated from competition in the 2014 playoff, we can fill it in after that. But in a surprising twist, remember those teams A to H? They represent the teams that will be eliminated from the first round of the 2014 playoff or the play-in portion, as they're calling it. If one or two or all three of those teams happen to win the lottery and get a top three pick, we're going into phase two of the lottery. You're probably thinking, phase two, what in the world does that mean? We're going to get into it. So we have to wait for that play-in round to finish. So possibly middle of August at best, if all goes to plan. So out of those teams that lose the play-in, they will then go into their own lottery, who then will pick and decide of those teams. So if Team A, Team H, and Team E get the top three picks, they will have a lottery to determine what teams are Team A, Team H, and Team E to determine what of those losing teams get the top three pick. So that means the seven non-playoff teams that we know of, if they don't win one of those top three picks, they will pick from four to ten, and then the remaining five teams will finish out picks ten to fifteen, so that we end up with all the non-playoff teams and non-advancers of the play-in rounds to get the top 15 picks, just like normal. Now, if there's a combination, so say two teams, so team D and team B get a top three pick and then Ottawa gets a pick. So we have two teams that are unknown and one team that is known. If something of that combination or two, you know, say Detroit and Ottawa get a pick and team C gets a top three pick. If that happens, we will still have phase two. Those teams that lose will get put into a lottery and determine what team will be team C, the winner of a top three pick. After that, so say it goes Detroit, Ottawa, team C, and then fourth pick will be of the remaining seven teams, non-playoff teams, and then the other teams will be brought in to fill out the rest of the draft selection order. Got it? So still all very confusing. Lots of things are up in the air. So let's go into how the odds work. Now, normally it's based on point position. Now, because the season ended early, they went on the point percentage to figure out the 
positioning of the seven non-playoff teams. So it pretty much ended in at around how the league ended. So Detroit has the single best odds at 18.5% to win the lottery. Ottawa has the best overall because they have two picks. They have their own pick, which is 13.5%, and then Ottawa gets San Jose's pick, which happened to be the third worst record at 11%. So all together, or 11.5%, so all together they get 25% to get a top three pick, which as an Ottawa Senators fan, you know, we really need this. The next odds are the Kings at 9.5%, the Ducks 8.5, the Devils have 7.5, and the Sabres round out the last seventh team with 6.5%. The unidentified teams, so team A has 6%, team B 5%, team C 3.5, team D 3%, team E 2.5, team F 2%, Team G 1.5 and Team H 1%. So that's how the odds of the draft lottery work. We will get into it a lot more closer to the draft. We have essentially a month from today will be the draft. That's going to be very exciting. I cannot wait. Draft is normally a very exciting time just to watch even if your team has, you hope your team is not in there because that means they're in the playoffs. Speaking of the playoffs, they laid out the grand plan on how to resume. So they came out and said it, the regular season is over. They used that phrase, everything stops, and now we move on to the 24-team playoff. Now we use air quotes a little bit because the terminology is really wishy-washy so far. They've accepted that 12 teams from both the Eastern and Western Conference move on to compete the Stanley Cup playoffs. Let's call it that. The top four teams of each conference will get buys and teams 5 to 12 will play in a best of five series to get in to the playoffs. So that's why we call it a play-in round but there's still some people are still using that 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 is the playoffs. Once those are done, once the play-in games are done, the argument is what do we do now? Do we leave it as the bracket, the quote-unquote bracket scenario that we have seen, or do you reseed everyone, which has been a kind of argument in late. So say 12th, we'll go to the east, say 12th position Montreal beats 5th seeded Pittsburgh. Now in the bracket form, the first place Boston would not play Montreal. They would be in line to play the winner of the 8 versus 9 playoff game. Now some GMs are saying that there should be reseeded so that Boston would play the lowest remaining seed, which in that case would be Montreal. You know, a little bit of an incentive for winning and being first place. I don't think that makes it any easier. The NHL playoffs are the best North American playoff experience in any league and I would say challenge even the world hands down because anything can happen anyone can be anyone columbus beat tampa bay they were the eight seeds of the lowest seed possible they beat the one seed just because you're playing the lowest seed does not guarantee you or give you an easier chance to win that round and move forward so i like the bracket you have to beat the best any anyways it doesn't matter if it's the first round or if it's you know the stanley cup finals you have to beat the best Sometimes the luck of the draw, but you still have to win 16 games, or in this case, you might have to win uh, 19 games to win the Stanley Cup. So, here's how it plays out. In the Eastern Conference, the top four teams are Boston, Tampa Bay, Washington, and Philadelphia. In the play-in matchups, the 8 versus 9 would be Toronto versus Columbus. As of right now, the winner would play Boston if the bracket scenario stays. Fifth place, 
Pittsburgh would play Montreal, with the winner meeting up with Philadelphia. The 7th place Islanders and the 10th place Panthers would play with the winner playing Tampa Bay, so that could lead to an all-Florida matchup, which would be quite exciting. The 6th place Carolina would play the 11th place Rangers, and the winner of that would play Washington. In the West, the top seeds are the champion St. Louis Blues, second place Colorado Avalanche, third place Vegas Golden Knights, and fourth place Dallas. The play-in matchups would be an all-Canadian matchup with the 8 Calgary versus 9 Winnipeg, and the winner of that would play St. Louis. Fifth place Oilers would play Chicago, which is seeded 12th, and the winner would play Dallas. Vancouver would be in the 7th spot against 10th place Wild. Winner would go on to play Colorado, and 6th place Nashville would play the 11th spot Arizona Coyotes, with the winner playing Vegas. Now to kick this all off, players need to get back in shape and also get back with the team. We said earlier that the US has opened up the borders to allow players, foreign-born players to return, and we've reported before that 17% of the NHL deals with foreign-born players not from North America. So they've started to lay out the plans. This gives travel compensation and time for players to return at least to North America and start to get ready. All of this means nothing until we can reach phase three. Phase three would be no earlier than early July, and phase three includes training camps. So we reported phase two, which is coming up uh, in June, so next week. We uh, Players can start to go to team facilities. They can go on the ice, but no more than six players at a time, and not too many player personnel. So phase three, which would happen a month from now, if everything works out, it would include training camps, which means on a timeline we would not get the play-in rounds to start until late July, maybe August. And that also means we need a place to play. So we've announced the hub cities and we've kind of given a little bit of insight of what we think here at Sports Night Podcast, what cities are being considered. All in all, 10 cities submitted proposals to be a hub city. So those 10 cities are Vegas, LA, Vancouver, Edmonton, Dallas, Chicago, Minnesota, Columbus, Pittsburgh, and Toronto. At first glance, you might expect one east, one west coast city to be chosen, but that's not the case. You don't really need to be east coast, west coast. That doesn't matter. The two best cities that can provide the NHL its needs, player safety, and the most amount of amenities for everyone to feel safe and have the best product out there will be chosen. One would hope that one Canadian city is chosen, but again, if none of them meet the criteria, you can't really fault them because player safety is number one in this case. So it looks like Vegas seems to be the clear number one pick and almost a lock. I don't know if Edmonton would be a close second or Vancouver or Pittsburgh, maybe Toronto. Uh, We'll have to wait and see. There's uh, no timeline on when a hub city will be chosen. 
just when all the needs are met and information is finalized. We also don't know, again, uh, bracket or reseeding will happen. It would uh, come after the play-in round. So what was announced was the play-in round would be a best of five series, so you have to win three out of five. They are still toying with the idea if rounds one and round two should be the best of five or best of seven. They did confirm that the conference finals and Stanley Cup finals will be a best of seven. So the last two rounds, if you make it, will be a best of seven guaranteed. Before that, it could be a smaller round of five. Again, their terminology, if the first round is playoffs, if not, that actually does matter when it comes to some contract terminology, bonuses, player bonuses, coaches bonuses, how teams handle trade stipulations. So in one instance, if Vancouver does make the playoffs, they give up a first round pick. If the play-in round does not count and they lose, they don't have to give that pick, if that's the terminology. If it does count, then they give it no matter if they win or lose that first round. So clarifying the terminology for all will be a big step the NHL has to look at. Now, also those first four teams that get a bye, they don't just get to sit around and do nothing. They will have a round robin kind of style play to get back into game shape, if you will. Don't know if they will change their mind and, you know, the winner of the round robin will get the top seed. As of now, no, but minds may change. More eyes on those games. Who knows? That's the small stuff, though. Making sure that player safety, hashing everything out, getting everything set picking the hub cities, that's the goal right now. All that language stuff can be implemented and talked about a little bit later. But this is huge news, it broke the sports news, it broke my script. Hopefully that all made sense. If not something, if something did not make sense, you need me to re-explain the draft lottery. Please write us on social media, Sports Unite Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, Sports Unite Pod 1 on Twitter, or Sports Unite Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know. We will re-explain it if we have to. Now it's time to get into a little segment. It's time for the it's time for the starting lineup. In today's starting lineup, we are going to head back to Korea and focus on the football side of things, where we focus on the K-League 1 Korean Soccer League. So, like last week, we're going to explain a little bit about the Korean League and how it began. So, the Korean Soccer League, it has two tiers. The first tier is K-League 1 and then K-League 2. So we're going to focus on K-League 1. It began as one league and in 2013 they created the K-League 2 for relegation and tiered system. So the K-League 1 came into existence in 1983. First titled the Korean Super League. It had five teams. Now it's time for another segment. This is the starting lineup. In today's starting lineup, we're heading back to Korea to focus on the football side of things, where we will look into the K-League 1 Korean Soccer League. The Korean Soccer League has a two-tier system, the K-League 1 and K-League 2. We'll be focusing on the K-League 1. They began the two-tiered relegation system with the creation of K-League 2 in 2013. Uh, there are other lower tiers as well, but we will not be talking about them in this starting lineup. K-League 1 came into existence in 1983, first titled the Korean Super League, and started with five teams. They continued on until 1998 when the expansion came and they changed the name to K-League, then K-League Classic, and then finally K-League 1. A little bit of an identity crisis. There have been many 
clubs that have changed locations and folded, but in 2010, the league was up to 16 members until the introduction of the K-League 2 and relegation tier system began. The K-League 1 has 12 teams. Relegation works as the 12th place team automatically goes down to K-League 2, where the 11th place team plays the winner of a playoff in the promotion league. So K-League 2 has a playoff to determine who would play the 11th place team in a playoff matchup and the winner gets promoted. They also have an interesting league split. After each club plays each other three times, they split the league into a top and bottom half. From the split, each team plays each other in their own categorized split. So teams 1 to 6 will play each other, teams 7 to 12 will play each other and that decides their placing. They've taken this concept from the Scottish Premier League, and I think it's a pretty cool, pretty interesting way to uh, have teams play like teams that uh, are having as good or not as good of a season, really see if they can move up the rankings and not get relegated or finish off their championship run. All right, we're going to get into the teams now. We're going to deep dive into here. Since the league plays the same calendar year as we do. Uh, they were just beginning play, so it's unlike the Bundesliga or the EPL or European leagues where they split it between the winter into spring seasons. So they have just started a little bit late. So these standings are probably going to change, but we will go again from bottom to top of the table, beginning with Guanjin FC. This fairly new team began in 2010, joined K-League 1 in 2011. They play out of Jiangun and is uh, the sixth largest city in Korea. They have gone up and down in their existence, staying no more than three years in K-League 1. They were in K-League 2 last year and they ended up being champions, so they were promoted this season. They are currently in 12th place with a 0-0-3 season and have zero points. I should apologize again to all the Korean listeners. I will butcher these names maybe even a little worse than the Bundesliga names. I practiced, I swear. The next team on our list is Busan Ipark. They have been a part of the league since the beginning, but as a different team, like I said, many teams changed names and relocated, so they were first known as the Daewoo Royals and began playing under their current name in 2005. They play in the city of Busan and is Korea's second most populous city after Seoul. They are actually home to the fifth busiest port in the world. It's pretty fascinating, very busy place. They uh, stayed in K-League 1 until 2015 when they lost uh, in the playoffs. They stayed in K-League 2 until this season where they were promoted winning that playoff. And now they sit 11th with a 0-1-2 record with one point. The next team is the Incheon United. This team founded in 2004 and play out of Incheon, the third most populous city. The club has been in K-League 1 since 2004 when it entered and has finished all around the league including finishing runner-up but they have yet to win the league. They finished 10th last season and are 10th currently with a 0-2-1 and 2 points. The next team is Daegu FC. This club founded in 2002 is a community club, which means its shares are owned by the residents of the city of Daegu, which is pretty cool. Daegu is the fourth largest city in Korea. Daegu stayed mostly in the bottom of the table in the K-League 1 until 2014 where they were relegated. 
They were promoted back up in 2017 after winning the playoffs and finished fifth last season. So a big transformation. They are currently ninth with a 0-2-1 and two points. The next team is the Suwon Samsung Blue Wings. This club founded in 1995 by Samsung and was the first club to create a connection and links with the local community, which is always awesome to see. They have won the league four times, last time in 2008, and have stayed in the K-League 1 for their entire existence, finishing 8th last season, and they are currently in 8th with a 1-0-2 record and 3 points. The next team is Ganwon FC. This club was founded in 2008 and began playing in 2009. They play out of Ganwon province. They stayed up with the big league until 2014 when they were unfortunately relegated, but then promoted back up in 2017 and have stayed ever since. They finished 6th last season. They are currently 7th with a 1-1-1 record and 4 points. The next team is Ponhang Steelers. This club was founded before the league in 1973 as a semi-professional team and play in Pohang. Pohang is a small city and is strong in iron, steel, shipbuilding, and fishing. Pohang is one of the most successful teams in Korea, winning the league five times, last in 2013. They have always been in K-League 1 and finished fourth last season. They are currently sixth with a 1-1-1 record and four points. The next team is Seongnam FC. This team was founded in 1989 and was purchased by the Seongnam City in 2014, so another city-owned team. It is the second biggest city in Jeonji province and has about a million people. The team has won the K-League one seven times, last winning in 2006. They have relegated once in 2016 after losing the playoff, which meant they finished 11th in the K-League 1, but then came back in 2019 after winning the playoffs. They finished 9th last season and are currently 5th, a much better turnaround so far, with a 1-2-0 record and 5 points. The next team is... Sanju Sangum. This club is very, very unique. Uh, this team is actually made up of young soccer professionals who are from other teams who are completing their two years of military service. That is a, a requirement in Korea. So as they are doing that, they play for this team so they don't lose their status or stamina. And once they are done their two years, they return to their previous club. It was announced, though, uh, from the league that they would be relegating them no matter their finishing position. Which means this team and whoever finishes 12th will be relegated down. There's no playoffs. There's no anything that's already been predetermined. They've had a up-and-down career in the K-League 1 since 2003. They did stay in the K-League 1 until 2013, and they relegated back and forth in between the past few years. Last year, they did finish 7th. They are currently 4th with a 2-0-1 and 6 points. The next club is FC Seoul. This club began in 1983, first as the Lucky Gold Stars Football Club, which is a popular name. If you've followed football for a while, you know that name. They play in Seoul, which is the capital city of Korea, and has hosted numerous international events. The team has moved homes uh, around the city, staying in Seoul, but uh, playing in satellite cities. So, like we talked about with Berlin, Seoul is a ginormous city as well, and kind of had satellite cities around it. So the club has kind of moved around from place to place, playing in those satellite cities, 
but still considered Seoul. They have won the championship six times, last winning in 2016, and have always been in the K-League 1. They finished third last year. They sit third currently with a 2-0-1 record and six points. The next club is Ulsan Hyundai. This team came into existence in 1983 and play in Ulsan. Ulsan is the eighth largest city and has just over a million people. The team began playing in Incheon and in 1990 moved to Ulsan, where they are owned by Hyundai Heavy Industries, not the Hyundai that you thought of. They have won the league twice, last winning in 2005, and have stayed in the K-League 1 since they entered in 1984. They finished second last year and are currently in second with a 2-1-0 record and 7 points. And finally, the final team is Jeonbuk FC. This club, founded in 1994 as the Jeonbuk Dinos, Dinos always a great team. They were purchased by Jeonbuk Hyundai Motors in 1994. That Hyundai Motors, yes, that company, that's the one you're thinking of. They were purchased after another team folded after just one game and are considered different clubs. They play in the North Jola province, which is also known as Jeonbuk, which is where they get their name, Jeonbuk FC. They have won the league title seven times, all coming since 2009, and have won the last three K-League 1 titles. Since joining the league in 1995, they have stayed in K-League 1. They were the champs last year. They are currently first place with a 3-0 record and 9 points. That is the K-League One. That's the end of our starting lineup for today, and that's the end of our episode. A jam-packed episode. Didn't think we'd have a lot of news to talk about after the weekend. Boy, was I wrong. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, Let us know on social media what you want to see, what you want to hear, what sports you want us to cover. Do you want us to do a new segment? We have guests coming up going to be covering a documentary so again please join us on facebook instagram sports unite podcast twitter sports unite pod one and sports unite podcast at gmail.com for your suggestions thank you very much for listening so that'll do it for this episode thank you very much and always for listening stay safe and sport on